Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. I'm glad that you're here, glad that we get to celebrate and, and have this time together in worship. And we're really grateful uh, if you're a first-time guest here today. Thanks for coming. We're always grateful for all who gather, but we're particularly grateful for anybody who might be here for the very first time. And so thanks for being here. I uh, would sure want to encourage everybody to check in either with those QR codes or uh, back at the kiosk. That always helps us to stay in connection with you and stay in relationship with you. So I do hope you'll help us to do that because it's our gift uh, and our desire uh, to do that for you. So do you ever remember when you were a kid uh, asking the question, kind of, what if, what if I could become a firefighter or what if I could, you know, climb to the moon, right? You remember as a little kid, you'd have all kinds of questions. For me, that question became after a time when I was eight or nine years old, what if I could become a, a semi-truck driver? I wanted to be an over-the-road truck driver, right? I wanted to travel the country. So I would ask that question in my head and my heart, what if? And then, of course, as you get older, the what if questions get a little bigger or a little different, right? What if I could have that car that I really want? Or what if I could own that home that I long for? Or, or perhaps maybe what if I could gain that job that I always wanted? Or maybe for some of us, it's what if I could retire early, right? What would that look like? So we ask these questions all the time. They're kind of the foundation of this new worship series we've started into, simply called What If? And we call it What If? because those questions abound in our heads and in our hearts all the time. And we wanted to kind of apply it to this topic that sometimes causes us consternation. And so we asked this one simple question, what if generosity had nothing to do with money? What if generosity had nothing to do with money? Now, I know there are plenty of us sitting in the pew today that when the preacher starts talking about money, we pucker up real good. We're not real excited about it. In fact, we're kind of wondering why we need to do this, right? I get it. And particularly given the circumstances of uh, the world these days with uh, uh, inflation just as high as it could be across the globe and, and supply chain issues, I think I shared with the uh, early service, uh, I went without my car for nine weeks getting repaired simply because of supply chain issues. It's no fun, right? But a part of what we begin to recognize is that um, generosity has very little to do with money. Generosity has everything to do with our spirit and our connection and relationship with God. Jesus knew this very clearly. Jesus would say this more than once. But one of my favorite uh, passages or, or words of wisdom from Jesus about generosity you find in Luke chapter 12, and it literally just says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And all Jesus meant by that is generosity is a matter of the heart. And, of course, the heart is always a matter of relationship with God. And a part of what we need to glean from that is generosity, therefore, has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with our heart and how we understand God. What if generosity was about transformation? What if generosity was about the transformation of the head and the heart and our understanding of who God is and our relationship with God? I mean, after all, Jesus spoke more about money and wealth and its use than almost anything else. Jesus taught and talked about money and the use of money and wealth more than prayer and salvation. By golly, that must mean it's something important, that it's something of value to who God is and who we are in relationship with God. What if generosity was founded in gratitude? What if we recognize that if only we could find a way to be grateful for the way life is, no matter what, 
that we could discover a way to be grateful no matter how life is coming at us? What if generosity was based in gratitude? I love the way it's put in, in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, when it talks about give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's a pretty profound statement, isn't it? That we should give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for our lives. Now, I know good and well there's all kinds of situations that are coming at you right now. I just named a few of them. You might also have issues with addiction or relationship problems or a bad job or all kinds of things, and yet God tells us give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will. That's gratitude. And a part of what we need to begin to recognize is that that gratitude begins to change everything, how we look at the world, how we understand God, how we relate to other people, the way in which we demonstrate and understand gratitude has tremendous impact on who we are. You know, many of us know that uh, King David wrote many of the Psalms. He wrote several of the beginning Psalms. And, of course, his most famous is the 23rd Psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What most of us forget is that David also wrote the very next Psalm, Psalm 24. And Psalm 24 begins with a very profound, impactful statement that claims God's resources for our life, right? The earth is the Lord's and all in it. The world belongs to God and all people belong to God. Wow. That suggests that all of my thoughts, all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul, all that I possess, all that I share, all that I am, all that I have, it belongs to God. And if that's true, as I believe that's true, man, that might change how I relate to God, how I understand God, how I want others to know that richness as well. You see, I believe gratitude is the foundation of generosity. And everybody I've ever known in all of my days, whether it was a, a widow on Social Security who was giving hundreds if not thousands of dollars a year to God's work, or the wealthiest of individuals who has full capacity to donate so much, what I find in all of those is that they're grateful for who God is and what has God has done in their hearts and in their lives. Now, I, like you, had the training early on in life that when somebody gave me a gift, Christmas gift, birthday gift, you know, when you were little, your mom and dad, they said, write a thank you card. And I would, right? I would write that card not because I wanted to, not because it had any meaning or value, but because my dad, who was 350 pounds and six foot two, swung a mean paddle. That's why I would do it. I don't know why you did it, but I had no joy in it. I had no desire to do it. I, I didn't feel anything of it, but I started that journey, much like you did, right? And much like you uh, offer to your own children and, and uh, perhaps even grandchildren that we ought to write a thank you note because it's important to acknowledge the gift. I think I was about 18. The year I turned 18, I began to discover a different understanding. You see, many like, like many of you, when I turned 18, I not only graduated from high school and began to go off to college, but I also um, completed my uh, Eagle Scout Award. I turned 18, I graduated high school, and I went off to college. Well, in the midst of all that, I got gifts. Gifts for doing the Eagle Scout, gifts for turning 18, gifts for graduating from high school, gifts for going off to college even. And I thought to myself, 
Who, who are these people I'm getting gifts from? I mean, I'm getting money and, and gifts from people I've never even met before. I don't understand why they're giving me. So I like it. I'm glad that I'm getting it. But I didn't get it. And I, thought, I finally realized, Humbert, it's not all about you. I was getting these gifts like you've encountered with your own kids or with your, in your own life from people that were family members or long-distant friends or cousins you'd never met before. And you began to realize, man, there are people not connected to me who are generous and who want to help and who want to honor and who want to bless. And it was probably in and around there that I began to turn the corner on why I wanted to write those notes. Because now it became, I'm grateful and I'm glad. And it changes my perception of who you are and what you might think of me and how I understand you. And, and I began to want to write those notes. It, it, it is what has led in my own personal life and in my own ministry to write thank you notes with very great frequency to say to people, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for what you've given me or I'm grateful for what you've done. I'm grateful for how you uh, demonstrate your ministry in the world. It's why when someone comes to worship for the very first time and they acknowledge it by checking in, I send them a thank you note. It's why when someone gives a gift for the very first time to the life of this church and they acknowledge it, I write a handwritten thank you note because I'm grateful for who they are and what they've done. It's why when you do something important in my life or offer something to me in any form or fashion, I write a thank you because I'm grateful for who you are in my life and the way God has placed you there and what God is doing in and through you for me. It's a powerful gift. In fact, it, it actually changed my prayer life a few years ago. You know, I, like you, pray on a regular basis. I pray a very traditional prayer in the morning that has confession and, and petition and, and care and, and offerings to God. I pray throughout the day uh, what you and I might refer to as breath prayers, thank you, God, or help me, Lord, or help, help your servant listen, God. I call those breath prayers, and they're throughout the day. But it was my evening prayer, my go-to-bed prayer that I began to struggle with, and I had a real guilt over the fact that I would often fall asleep while I was praying. You ever had that happen? And I would think to myself, what kind of a disciple are you? What kind of a follower of Jesus are you? You're falling asleep while you're talking to God. How can you possibly be a good follower of Jesus? And so I, I had guilt and I, I had sorrow and I had a, a sense in which somehow I was not right. And so I changed my prayer. My evening prayer became purely and simply a gratitude prayer. So that as I lay my head down and I close my eyes, every single night I do this. And I begin to enumerate everything from the day for which I'm grateful. And you know what happens? I still fall asleep. But do you know that now when I fall asleep, what I've thought? I'm grateful. I'm grateful, God. I'm grateful for life. I'm grateful for everything that I've enumerated. And my heart is glad, even though I've fallen asleep. Because it makes a difference how we perceive the world and how we engage the world. What if gratitude were the foundation of generosity? I am absolutely convinced that it is. Because it changes how we view the world, how we understand God, and how we relate to God and others in the world. There's a powerful story in Luke's Gospel about this very understanding of gratitude 
as a foundation to generosity. Some of you may know the story. Jesus goes to a home of a Pharisee, a a legalist, a person who follows the law well and to the nth degree, and he has an encounter with him and with a, a woman guest that will help all of us better understand how gratitude is the foundation to generosity. Listen, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus over for a meal. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then, a woman of the village, a sinner, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet. Letting down her hair, she dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was the prophet I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who's falling all over him. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, do tell. Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up, and so the banker canceled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, Jesus said, Do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she has not quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins. And so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. And it's that last phrase that sort of convicts us of who and whose we are. Simon, if you seemingly have very little for which to be forgiven, if you feel as though you don't have much that deserves forgiveness, if you feel as though you've been a great guy and life has been perfect in your world, gratitude comes very little. Wow. The woman demonstrates a powerful lesson of generosity. I mean, she She literally sort of gives her whole self, so much so that there are many of us in this room who are uncomfortable by the way in which she touches Jesus and offers her hair and her tears to to Jesus. It's it's almost uncomfortable, isn't it? And yet at the same time, it's, it's so amazingly gracious and generous for her to weep on His feet to cleanse them and to dry them with her hair and to anoint them with the perfume, which, by the way cost about a year's wages. When, when was the last time any of us bought some perfume that was worth an annual salary? 
this was costly stuff that she's seemingly just wasting on Jesus' feet. But it's all because she's grateful. She is a sinner, the text tells us. We don't 100% know what that sin is, but it's clear to everybody in the room the woman's a sinner. The text tells us that. And she must have many sins. The text tells us that as well. And she's already been forgiven. The slate has already been wiped clean. I don't know how that works, but I know Jesus can do it. And she's grateful. And she simply wants to demonstrate that gratefulness by an extravagant act of generosity. It's not needed. It doesn't have a function. It doesn't solve a problem. It's simply an extravagant act of generosity in a simple way to say, thank you for saving my life. Thank you for saving me from myself. Thank you for saving me from my sin. Thank you for offering me everlasting life. You see, Jesus has a profound word for us today that has nothing to do with money, but it has everything to do with generosity. See, Simon didn't understand. Simon felt as though his life were you know, pretty good. He is, after all, a Pharisee. He had followed all the laws. He'd done all the right things. He was a righteous man. But Jesus' words to him and to us make me wonder, what if, what if we sometimes think we don't need much forgiving? We don't need any mercy. We don't have any grace that we need. I wonder what that causes us to think or feel or do. I wonder what impact that has on how we relate to God. I wonder if it paints a picture of how gratitude has impact on generosity. Because here's what I know, and I bet you know it too. Jesus does forgive. Jesus does offer me grace. Jesus does offer you mercy. Jesus does help the world know that our many sins are and will and can be forgiven. And we ought to be grateful with our hearts and our lives, with our time, with our talent, with our treasures. I love the way Paul put it when he was talking to the Corinthian church about generosity and about giving and offering themselves to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he literally just says, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. And that indescribable gift is Jesus. That indescribable gift is the way in which Jesus offers us life and love, forgiveness and mercy. And we ought to give ourselves most fully to Him, that we ought to pour out ourselves back to the world and to God with gratitude that leads to generosity. I love the way the psalmist put it in Psalm 136. I'm going to issue you an invitation today. I want to invite you later today to go home and read all of Psalm 136. Psalm 136 starts this way, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And every other verse of Psalm 136 has that same antiphon, His faithful love endures forever, over and over and over again to remind us 
that when life is kicking our tails and when life isn't going our way and when things seem to be falling down around us and when life isn't as we'd hoped or dreamed, that God's faithful love endures forever. And we ought to be grateful that God is with us, that God is for us, and that God can provide a way through whatever it is we're dealing with. And so my first invitation is for you to read Psalm 136 to remind you that we can be grateful and that it can change our hearts and our minds and therefore the way in which we live our lives. But I'd love for you to take this invitation as well, to take up the invitation to consider this. What if, what if God is more generous than we could ever think or imagine ourselves? What if God were so generous? There's no way we could out-generous God, no way we could out-give God, no way we could outdo God's generosity. But what if we considered today and tomorrow and the next day everything that we do have, no matter how much or how little, just consider what we do have and give thanks? What if this week we considered um, what our gifts and our skills and our talents are, and we give thanks. What if we consider this week uh, uh, all the relationships we have, family, work, uh, neighbors, relatives, all that. What if we consider them and give thanks? What if this week we considered the abundance that we already have? And friends, I know again that life may feel not very abundant sometimes, but I assure you God is good. And if we consider that abundance, let's give thanks. And when we do, it becomes building blocks for a life of gratitude that leads to amazing generosity of my heart, my time, my talent, my treasure. It changes who I am and how I know God. And so there in your app, if you're taking notes in the Treach app, or if you want to go online this week, I issue yet a third invitation, and that is to follow the prayer guide that's listed there in the message notes in the app, or if you go to tmumc.org slash pledge, right at the very top, there's a prayer guide. And guess what the prayer guide does for the first several days? It invites us into gratitude, invites us to gratefully consider how God is working in our lives and what God is doing in our hearts and how it is God has already done so much. What if gratitude became a foundation to our lives and then changed how it is we lived our lives? I believe it will, and I am convinced it will lead us and the world to greater generosity. Thanks be to God for that possibility. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, for the powerful and wonderful ways that He offers each of us salvation, that He claims our hearts and helps us to know that we are loved. Help us, God, not only to acknowledge that gratefully, but to share it generously. May our lives be an outpouring on behalf of Your generosity to us, and may we help others to know of that in the ways in which we live gratefully. Thank you, God, for that powerful gift. This is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen.